Hello and welcome to Blog on the Net, the football podcast, the Euro 2020 preview. I'm your host, Rich Clark, a full-time football analyst, and I'm joined by the Euro boy himself. It's Justin Side. Hello, Justin. Hi there. Euro by name, Euro by nature. Indeed. Are you excited for this upcoming tournament? Oh, yeah. International tournaments are, for me, the best part of football. The best part of football? Wow. Big and bold. I like it. I do love them myself, so uh, I won't argue too hard. We've got plenty of arguing to do as we go, I'm sure. So today is going to be a preview of the tournament. We'll be going through each group. We'll look at the teams, significant players, a few stats thrown in along the way, and uh, we'll do a few predictions towards the end as well. But before we delve into all of that, we should do some shout outs. We need to shout out to our YouTube subscribers. So we've got Adam Ills and Uncle Mark Williams. Thank you very much for subscribing. <laughs> but arguably more exciting than that, and I'll say arguably, is we have a new follower on Twitter. I would like you to guess who that new follower is. Okay, famous? Indeed, famous, yes. We do get followers uh, from time to time, so I'm not just going to uh, get you to guess every time we have a follower. They are famous. Uh, Emil Heskey. <laughs> okay. Uh, no. No, you're just going okay. out there. I mean, I, th I thought you might ask questions to sort of narrow it down and, and see who it could oh, be. Oh, but... okay, fine. Yeah. Okay, are we talking blue tick official famous? Yeah. Yeah, we are, yeah. Football? Football related? They are football related. England international related? They were an England international. Okay, so Emma Heskey was a pretty good shout. Um... <laughs> Let's go, Stuart Pearce. Stuart Pearce is a is you're in the right regions here. Uh, I'll say he was at Italian ninety with Stuart Pearce. Oh, Chris Wadler. He's gone for the next one. The other penalty misser it is indeed <laughs> his mate from a pizza advert. Chris Waddle is following us on Twitter. That's pretty decent, right? Very good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, don't mention don't mention a penalty miss. He's definitely not going to give us a retweet now. Oh, sorry, Chris. Uh, if you're listening, I was only uh, I was only stating facts. I, I, it's not something I I don't define you that way. Uh, you were a great player, and I was a big fan, uh, and still am. So uh, I'm really sorry about that. He's definitely not listening. Best England mullet of all time? Would you say best England mullet of all time? Yeah, I'd go for it. It was quite spectacular. And then uh, and then he, he got rid of it partway through the tournament. And, uh, well, we won't say what happened after that. Anyway, we should cover shirts <laughs> as well, by the way. We're, we're wearing some glorious oh, yeah. shirts here. Uh, take us through your Euro 96 effort. I've got a wonderful France uh, Euro 96 number with a faded Zidane on the back, uh, which I think adds to the authenticity. You know, you've got a bit of faded print. Looks good. Looks the part. Badges, you know, all the badges. It's a great looking shirt, that. Uh, we're four episodes in to our podcast and you've worn two Euro 96 shirts uh, so far out of the four. Both great shirts. That was uh, just a fact, uh, not a criticism. Golden era. Indeed. I've gone for a golden shirt in Spain. It's 2008. They're winning uh, 
team. Lovely sleeve patch. A bit of David Silver action on the back. Doesn't it look good? I think I think it's a nice shirt. It doesn't quite have the character of this shirt. I think I'm winning this one. Uh, well, firstly, I need to know where... Didn't that, that shirt have the drawstrings on it, right? Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that was already gone when I purchased the shirt, unfortunately. Okay, fine. You lose points for that, but I do love that shirt, and I'm going to give you this one just about. Lovely. Yeah, well done. You win something, finally. Uh, we should quickly cover our PFA predictions. Uh, we predicted the PFA team of the year and the winners. You scored six from 11. I scored a much better eight from 11, uh, which was nice. I was hugely shocked by the winner of the PFA player of the year. Neither of us got that. Kevin De Bruyne. Did you see that one? No. Um... I love Kevin De Bruyne. I can't tell you how much I love him. He's my favourite Premier League player. But PFA player of the season this year, not a chance. I agree. Missed too much he, time. Yeah, He's a big favourite of mine. I really like him. I'm never going to uh, begrudge the guy. But uh, I was quite surprised by that one. Uh, you went for Diaz. I went for Fernandez just to be different. And I thought you were taking that one off me. But uh, no points in that. We both got Phil Foden. And we both went for uh, Phil Foden in the young PFA player of the year of course and we both got Pep Guardiola for the manager so that was good and the England squads again we've covered this uh, on Twitter but we did quite well out of the 26 we got three wrong which includes Nick Pope who dropped out and we'd recorded before any of that had come to fruition uh, so we'll say we got two wrong each it was it was pretty good going so uh, yeah and we were we were talking about Ben White before he was cool Indeed we were. We both said what a great season he'd had uh, and said he'd probably, probably just miss out, which uh, of course he did. But I'm really pleased that he's now got his call up, even if it is at the expense of someone else. Uh, and yeah, he's a really good player and that's good. Good news. Hmm. Yeah, I think he deserves it. And people are saying nice things about him now. so Which he deserves. He's a good player. Excellent. Any chance, any chance Waddle listens to the podcast, got in Gareth Southgate's ear and, you know, one thing led to another and there he is. No. Now, <laughs> let's start with a few things that are different this time. So, of course, it's 26 players, as we know. It's been up from 23. That is COVID related in some sort of way. I'm not sure what the justification is for that. Do you think that rule could stay, by the way? 26. The 26 players? Yeah. Uh, it will. I, I think it might stay, yeah, for most teams. Some teams aren't that bothered about 26 players, um, <laughs> but most teams will take 26. Yeah, no, I meant in future editions of the tournament. Yeah, I, I, yes, I think it will stay. It's like, it's like anything that they bring in and they say it's temporary, but then ultimately more players, more interest, I think it'll stay. Yeah. Uh, injured goalkeepers can be replaced at any time during the tournament, not just before the first ball is kicked, which is unusual. And there's five substitutions allowed in the tournament. A sixth will be allowed if there's extra time in the knockouts, but those must be uh, over three different intervals, those initial five substitutions. So slightly different uh, in that respect. 
most of the European leagues have been doing that. Uh, the Premier League hasn't, so uh, they're used to, and that was voted in that way. Should we move straight into Group A? Think so, yeah. Yeah. Let's do this. Right. In Group A, we have Italy, Turkey, Switzerland, and Wales. Mm. Italy are the strong favourites, as you'd expect, and the bookmakers say they are two to five to win the group. Uh, Turkey and Switzerland both eleven for two. Uh, Wales nine to one. You can get Italy at eight to one for the tournament. Sixty-six for Turkey, ninety for Switzerland, and finally one hundred and seventy-five for Wales. Do you see anything other than an Italy group win here? I don't. They uh, they they won every group game. They after missing out on the the last tournament, they seem to be a rejuvenated side. Um, I expect them to do very well. Uh, they've got home advantage for all three games as well, which can't be understated. I do expect them to win this group and go deep into the tournament. I've picked out that they scored 37 times in qualifying, uh, 31 on the XG and conceded four, 9.1 on the XG. So maybe getting a little bit lucky. Qualifying is a difficult thing because some of these games took place two years ago uh, and it's sort of hard to sort of suss out what's relevant. Things in international football can move quite quickly. A couple of players come in, you know, things look different. But it is still relevant and uh, Italy, as you said, comfortably got through qualifying. They are one of just two teams along with Belgium that won every single qualifier. And I do expect them to win this group. This is the first squad that Gianluigi Buffon has not been in since Euro 2000. He was injured for that one, having been to France 98. And that gives Donnarumma a good chance, a brilliant keeper. And I'm pleased he gets to be first choice between the sticks. Emerson is in this squad, Chelsea's third choice left back could end up being Italy's first choice left back. Uh, I actually expect Spinazzola to uh, to play instead of him, but he is in the squad, which felt like a bit of a surprise. Uh, they've got so some... do you think that says that they're a bit weak in that area or does it say that he's just riding off his name? <laughs> uh, what name is he riding off of? It's not like he's... Well, no, just, just great... being a, bit, a, a decent name at, at Chelsea. I don't know. Roberto Mancini's a weird guy. Uh, not to say I don't rate him as a manager, but he sometimes has some strange beliefs. I, I don't know. Maybe he just really likes him as a human being. I have no idea. It, it just stuck out to me as something that uh, I wouldn't have expected. Turkey conceded three goals in qualifying. That is the fewest of anyone uh, although it was worth 7.2 on the xg according to info goal uh, they've never beaten italy in 10 attempts that will be the opening game of the tournament let's not cry too much about it we should have been there in rome uh, but we'll be watching it from the comfort of our homes anyway if turkey can perhaps cause a problem there then the group is wide open isn't it yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I quite like Turkey. They re rely a lot on their talisman Yilmaz, who's had a wonderful season at Lille. Um, uh, he's 35. But interestingly, Turkey have the youngest squad of all the teams at the Euros. Um, so they're, you know, they're a young, 
energetic team, full of enthusiasm, full of beans. And I think they might do quite well. I think they'll surprise a few people. Yeah, their record to this point in the last couple of years has been good. They have got some bright up-and-comers. Uh, Chalanoglu will play behind Yilmaz. As you say, he's 35. He's He's been there, kind of done it, but I feel like he's a bit of a late bloomer in terms of big things happening in his career. One uh, Liga, which I watched a lot of mm-hmm. with Lille. And uh, yeah, he's had a brilliant season. So he's one to watch. Wales, they've got Gareth Bale. And it is very, mm-hmm. very tight for that second spot. A lot tighter uh, than in other groups. Do you see them causing a problem and getting through again, as they did five years ago? They've got some good They've got some good young players. I mean, they're over-reliant, obviously, on your Ramseys and your Bales. You've got players like Nico Williams coming through. Uh, you've got Dan James. So they have got a few quite exciting players, but I think the, the, just the spread in quality uh, over the whole squad is just too too great. Uh, and I don't think they'll I don't think they're quite good enough they might just squeak through in thirds but I think that's the best they can hope for on this occasion it's so hard to uh, predict who can go through in third because it's only the it's the best uh, third place team so it's impossible to sort of say you don't one win is often good enough uh historically from when they did this at the world cup this format which absolutely doesn't work and uh the euros <laughs> five years ago we shall see they've got problems in goal wales uh, and not just that uh wayne hennessy is one of them although that is a big problem it's unclear who's going to play there and that none of them fill me with much confidence uh sorry to uh insult wayne hennessy actually because I, I, I know you are his absolute dead ringer so uh it's nothing on you it's not sort of it's not personal it's just it's just a thing uh, you're not going on looks are you you're going on ability it was absolutely nothing to do with looks no i was just going on ability and you're both shitting goal yeah. we, <laughs> we were given feedback not to say uh, that players are shit it, relative to their level nobody no player uh at this level is uh is obviously uh shit so uh we'll just say he's not up to the standards required here we go so expecting Italy and you think Turkey are joining them. Anything to add on the Swiss? Nah, they're, they're just they're just there, aren't they? They always do quite well. They're always there or thereabouts. They're not very exciting. Embolo's um, okay. They've got Granit Xhaka who will give the ball away and then foul people. So that's, that's quite good. Um, that's all I have to say on Switzerland. Yeah, we watched Switzerland live twice at Euro 2016. Uh, I mean, it was ballot-based. It wasn't because we just wanted to uh, follow them around France, but that was quite fun. Nope, I have nothing more to add on that. So, should we move on to Group B? Group B. We've got Belgium, Denmark, Russia and Finland. Uh, Belgium, the overwhelming favourites here. I expect them to steamroll their way through this one. Yes, they are four to five uh, to win the group, which shows you how uh, much their favourites there. Denmark two to one, Russia four to one, Finland along twenty two to one to win that group, and you can get Belgium at thirteen for two for the tournament. They are amongst the favourites, and they're much longer on the other three. Denmark at twenty five, Russia at seventy five, Finland are the longest at the tournament, along with uh, North Macedonia at five hundred to one. 
So Belgium scored 40 goals uh, across qualifying, uh, 33.8 on the XG, but they have got some world-class players that uh, can beat the XG. And they only conceded three times. 5.4 was the expected. So again, very low. And as mentioned, they won all 10 qualifiers. They are very good at beating the minnows. Romelu Lukaku is very good at scoring against the minnows. And if you're thinking about your fantasy football team, I'd be looking at that group with Belgium and probably sticking Lukaku in it. What say you? Flat track bully. Flat track, classic flat track bully. Uh, I mean, I really like Belgium. They have a world-class team. They are, interestingly, the oldest team at the tournament at an average age of 28.7. They are also the most capped team at the tournament with an average caps per player of over 50. Um, So it really is kind of, you know, you're looking at this Euros and you're looking at the World Cup in 2022. It's kind of now or never for this team. If they don't produce it now or at the World Cup and win it, the team's going to break up and it's the end of what, you know, we talk about golden generations for England. This is a proper golden generation for Belgium. They won't get a team like this for some time. I think they probably should have won uh, Euro 2016. And they did win at the World Cup very, very well. Looked like they could have won it. They were amongst the favourites there, rightly. And this time, they're amongst the favourites again. But it is an ageing squad, as you mentioned, and I don't think they're going to get much more opportunity. The only thing you would say is that the World Cup is next year. Some can hang on, but I don't, the back line is ever-aging. I'm not a huge fan of it, them defensively. And they've got Jason Denea, who I'm not hot on, uh, and then Vertonghen and Alderweireld are there as well. Both quality players. Vertonghen is getting on now, as we know. So defensively, yeah, I'm unconvinced. Thibaut Quartar in goal, brilliant keeper, though. I expect them to comfortably win this group. Uh, don't get me wrong. Deeper into the tournament, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about the depth. You know, if Edin Hazard isn't fit, then his brother comes in, Torgan Hazard. Big downgrade. And there are a few of those in the squad. And Roberto Martinez, not for me, Clive. I'm just not a fan. Might be good news for Tottenham. <laughs> Where do you see... Finland here do you give them any chance of getting out of this group I don't think so um I mean they've got Timu Puki uh he's had a good season at Norwich I, you know I, I don't know how if you can rely on one player um as a national side uh no I don't think they've got the quality any thoughts from you in terms of Puki 20 goals in his last 25 starts for Finland, which is an outrageous return from a player who's playing for a big nation, let alone one for a minnow who's just qualified for their first ever international tournament. And they can outkick the XG, and I believe they've done so in qualifying. Info goal had their expected points at uh, a point where they would should have finished fourth in that qualifying group. So... Perhaps got a bit lucky, but with a player like Puki, as long as they can create chances, they've got a uh, a chance with him. But I just think everyone else around him is an absolute mess and they've got no chance of getting out of this group, <laughs> even though it's slightly modest uh, outside of Belgium. So where do you see it? Denmark or Russia? 
Well, I think Denmark are much stronger than Russia. Nice showing from them at the World Cup, but they had home advantage. And I, I, yeah, I just, I see it as being Denmark and then who knows whether someone can scrape through as third place, but I'd expect well, I mean, it to be Russia who's going to be anyone. Yeah, if, if Russia take a win out of Finland, um, they're in with a chance. If they take four points, they're in with a really good chance. I do think Denmark uh, will come second here. Mainly, I think they're quite evenly matched with Russia, actually. But I think yeah. home advantage will be key in the big game between themselves head to head. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, Denmark have got all three home games in Copenhagen. That's a really good advantage for them. So I can't look beyond them uh, for this one. Okay, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll move into Group C. Okay, Group C. Uh, we've got the Netherlands, Austria, Ukraine, and everyone's favourite underdog, Terrible Kit, North Macedonia. Terrible Kit. I'm, I'm, I wanted to like it. I just couldn't. It, it yeah, was second bottom in my uh, in the list on that we put on Twitter and Instagram. I'm and you sorry. Might, and, you, and you're being generous here. I think you're being <laughs> yeah. generous. Okay. Well, there you go. So, Netherlands, the strong favourites for this one in terms of the group. Two to five to win that group. Five to one with Austria. Nine to two with Ukraine. 22 to one for North Macedonia playing in their first ever international tournament. Do you see it being that comfortable for the Netherlands? Yeah, I think they will get through this one uh, without much of a fuss, to be honest. Yeah, they are missing Virgil van Dijk, which can't be understated. But I think they've got enough quality in comparison to the other teams in this group that you really should be expecting them to go through. Home advantage they, as well. So They've got good, good central defenders. He's left Sven Botman at home, Frank de Boer. That's uh, a pretty big decision. They've got a problem in goal, though. Martin Stecklenberg is uh, in this squad. He's 38, probably won't play. Uh, see, we remember him in South Africa in 2010, playing from in the final. So Jasper Sillison withdrew from the squad uh, due to COVID, and it looks like Tim Krull will be the first-choice goalkeeper. I like Tim Krull, but he's not a worldie, and... He's probably past maybe his peak, so that could be a bit of a problem. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but you can't you can't look beyond the fact they've got a a world class manager in Frank de Boer, uh, probably the best manager they've had since Louis Van Gaal. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Hi, Palace fans. I hope you're enjoying this. Genie Wijnaldum is a good player for them. <laughs> he's a good player for Liverpool as well, but he's a much more of an attacking threat for the Netherlands. Here's an interesting one for you. Wijnaldum's played 237 times for Liverpool in all competitions. He's played 75 times for the Netherlands. How many goals has he scored for each? I mean, this has to be a loaded question. So, um, you know, they normally are with you. I'm going to go for 12 for Liverpool and 15 for the Netherlands. So, I see what you've done. It was, of course, a little bit loaded. The answer is 22 for each. It's exactly the same number. Mm. But, of course, for interesting far fewer games for the Netherlands. Uh, nearly three times as many for Liverpool. Completely different role. 
Uh, much like the role he was playing at Newcastle uh, for that one season that we saw him there, just getting in the box a lot more, contributing. But 22 goals from 75 caps is, is very impressive for a midfielder. So don't be surprised to see him pop up. Let's talk about Austria. So okay. Arnautovic is a doubt. He's an important player for them. They scored 19 goals in qualifying, but their expected goals, according to InfoGoal, was 25.7, which is a fair differential uh, when it's the wrong side of. They're obviously creating chances, but have not got the players to put the ball in the back of the net. And that's... Yeah, I mean, they've got David Alaba as well. Um, that we heavily rely on him to produce the goods. Of course. I mean, I, I quite I quite like Ukraine. Uh, they did well in qualifying. They topped a tough group with Portugal, who are the holders. Very good side. We'll get onto them a bit later, but um, they're very good. And Serbia. So, I mean, they're a, they're a decent side. Uh, and, and I think they've got some good expectations around them. What do you think? Ukraine were your favourite team to watch at Euro 2016, weren't they? They were, I mean, we'll go on a little segue, but they were, we went to see Ukraine, Germany, and it was the worst international performance I've ever watched live from a team ever. They had no interest in getting out of their half, even when they were losing. It was quite funny. You were, you were beside yourself about it. I do think they've got a very exciting squad. They've got some uh, good players in there. They topped their qualifying group, as you mentioned. They scored 17 times. Their XG was 11, which is some way short, which suggests a fair amount of luck. In terms of conceded goals, they only conceded four, but the XG was 10.1. That's a huge disparity on both. And I worry that that's going to come unstuck for them. Uh, the goalkeeper situation is not great. Uh, Piotr is still the captain, but doesn't play anymore. Thank God, he's a bit of a mess. And uh, it looks like Bouchan will be the goalkeeper. I know next to nothing about him. Uh, but he is Really playing. hammering the keepers today, aren't you? Well, you know, I'm giving it a go. Uh, who I do like, though, is Atalanta's uh, Malinowski. He is someone that can outkick the XG with his left foot hammer. Uh, I love watching Atalanta and... He, in the last 11 Serie A games of the season, scored six goals and assisted eight times. So a form player, look out for him. Very good. And if you're looking for someone for your fantasy team, maybe consider him in your midfield. So maybe they can outkick the XG. I'm not sure about the uh, concede as well. I worry that's going to come unstuck. But they are an exciting team and I want them to do well. They feel like a, a good underdog to back. Shevchenko at the helm as well. Who doesn't like Shevchenko? Yeah, you love to see that as well. That's uh, that's a good bit of fun. Do you see a world in which North Macedonia can qualify? Any chance? Well, they've got, win. they've got Goran yeah. Pandev. They've always got a chance. You know, who doesn't love him? Uh, Thirty-seven years old now, uh, still going strong. Uh, Nestorovsky is missing for them, plays for Udinese. He doesn't score a whole bunch of goals, but he, he's an important sort of target man. He'll be a slight miss. Uh, I like Elmas as well at uh, Napoli. Not started a whole bunch of games this season from, but he's only 21. He's an exciting young player for Macedonia. 
and they did beat Germany in a World Cup qualifier in March. So don't sleep on them. It will be extremely tough. I don't expect them to get out of the group, but we shall see. Their XG in qualifying was uh, was pretty poor and they got through, uh, qualified for the playoffs via the Nation League. But hmm, what say you? Yeah, they're rubbish. Yeah, they're the longest to uh, to win the tournament. Based, been, based on my extensive knowledge on North Macedonian football, I'm just going to say they're rubbish. Yeah, extensive knowledge indeed. Yes. So Netherlands to qualify and second in that group? I'll go Ukraine. Tough one. I think that's going to be really, really close. Uh I spoke about Austria, uh, Ukraine, excuse me. I spoke about Ukraine maybe getting a bit lucky on the XG. So I'll just back myself up a little bit and I'll say Austria will go through in second in that one. But I hope Ukraine do well. We shall see. Group D, is it next? Now then. Yep. What's happening in Group D? Anything good? Oh, Scotland are in that. Yeah. Yeah, we want them to do well, don't we? No, no chance. No. Well, they're joined by England, Croatia and Chechia, as you well know. Uh, England, the favourites for the tournament and 4-11 to 11 to win the group, 9-2 to two for the whole tournament. Home advantage being a big thing for England. Three games at Wembley. Croatia, 7-2 to two to win that group. England's opening game, that will be a tough one. 30-1 to 1 to win the tournament, Croatia, which for the World Cup finalists feels relatively long, but I guess understandable. The Czechs, 10-1 to 1 to win the group, 125 for the tournament. Scotland just behind 11-1 to 1 for the group, but a big 250 for the tournament. Do you expect England to just go through by winning this group? Done. I expect I expect England to go through. I don't know if we'll win the group. Um, I mean, I, I spoke to someone earlier and they mentioned the kind of weaker team we put out in the World Cup to try and go down a different route. And, you know, that's always a possibility when you consider the permutations of this group. But, I mean, home advantage is a massive thing and maybe we back ourselves just to win the group, let the confidence keep rolling and, and play again at home against another good team. We should be expecting to win this group, though, as if you look at the squads, we're full of quality. The strength of this squad is uh, is outrageously good. It's as good as I can remember. Certainly the strongest since 2006. And I think you can maybe say in our lifetime, the performance may have to back that one up. Right. We shall see. The home advantage is, uh, is a big one. And we should talk about the permutations in the groups. We talked about it on the England mm. podcast. If England win the group, we are paired with Group F, which is Germany, Portugal or France. So it's a big problem. That's not who you want to face in the second round of a tournament. Whereas if we finished second in the group, we'd be paired with the Spain group. And assuming Spain don't make a complete hash of that, I would think Poland or Sweden would be waiting in the next round. Wouldn't get the home game there. You'd lose uh, the extra home game in uh, the knockouts. But 
it does feel more favourable. I'd love to see us just go and trounce our group and, uh, you know, flex our muscles a bit. But I do worry about meeting. It could be any one of those three in the second round. It's a bit of a problem. I mean, yeah. That that second place route does look more attractive. And I mean, even if Spain do come second, we've got a two-man squad advantage over them anyway. So that puts us in a really good position, I think. Yeah, we'll be coming on to that for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Where I can, I'm concerned with England, and this is not just Harry Maguire related, although that is a problem with his injury status being a little bit up in the air. We conceded six goals in qualifying. 7.7 xG, so not, not too big a difference. However, we conceded five of those goals in two games. One was a loss to the Czechs, oh. and the other three goals in the mad game against Kosovo, where... Uh, we seem to not get the job quite done. I just worry that we've got that in us. We have only conceded one goal in the last six games, but I think we could be getting a little bit lucky. And watching the Austrian-Romania friendlies, I feel like one of them should have scored against us. They had good chances and we just look a little bit shaky. That's where I worry. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. And I think... No Harry Maguire means that we will play through at the back regardless of opposition. I think we'd have been a touch more aggressive and gone for at the back if Maguire's fit. And I still don't know, you know, maybe he, he's still touch and go. I'm not sure exactly what the status is there. They're keeping it he is, yeah. buttoned up, whatever it is. Um, but I think, yeah, I think we just go over three and try and keep it more solid. I think you could be right... I would have expected us to go with a back four, if not. I think against Croatia, I would like us to go with a back four. I think the three in midfield is important. It's an area of strength for Croatia. Their front six generally is very good. And they started to dance around us in that World Cup semi-final in 2018. I know we beat them since then in the Nations League, but I do worry about... Uh, getting outplayed in that area. And I think with a back three, it, I realise you could play 3-5-2 with only two forwards, but we tend to have played one central striker and two wide players uh, when we've gone with three at the back in a 3-4-3. We have mixed it up. We're prepared for it. We know that we've used a back three and a back four a lot since the World Cup in qualifiers, Nations League, World Cup uh, as well those qualifiers so it's tried and uh, it's tested out but yeah it's hard to know at this point and in terms of the England 11 generally you know apart from one or two key players I've seen people talk about who they'd like this player must play that player but it's so good in terms of the depth that I don't think it really matters in in some areas there's We're really five or six attacking players it's just irrelevant yeah, you put Harry Kane up front and you surround him with two or three of any of the rest and they're all top quality players. And then even if that isn't working, whoever you bring on, you know, you, you back that sort of player to change the game. We, we, we've we really got a, a world of luxury in that sort of area at the moment. It's nice I completely agree. Yes. Scotland, two home games, two at Hampden Park, the one against England, obviously not. Steve Clark came along uh, partway through qualifying, steadied the ship a little bit. Uh, they've now conceded eight goals from their last 11 games. 
Defence will be important for them. How do you see them getting on? Can you see them getting out of the group? Well, let's start with England-Scotland. Classic old-school rivalry. You're not really hearing much about it at the moment, but I think as the game gets nearer and nearer and the tournament begins, that will be a very big match and people will be very excited to watch that one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. It it is a big game and uh, a little bit cliche, but I think uh, it'll be a bit of a derby and a lot of those Scotland players will be bang up for it. I know every player should be up for every game, but they will. (laughs) As for their tournament ambitions, I think they'll fancy themselves to sneak second in this group. You know, two games at home, not to be sniffed at when when you look at where the opposition are coming from. Um, Yeah, I think, you know what, I'll say they might just sneak in second. Very good. That is quite bold. They've never in their history got out of a group at an international tournament. I don't see it changing here. I'm really sorry. Where do you see? Do you see second with Croatia? I do see second with Croatia. I, and I say that actually, I wouldn't be stunned if our opening game is a draw with Croatia and they beat us to top spot. But we should be confident playing pretty much anyone in those Wembley games. So I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I wouldn't be stunned by it. Yes, Croatia certainly to go through. I expect them to be in second. And as mentioned, we, we can't possibly judge how third works at this point. Okay, we'll have a quick break. And when we come back, it's Group E and the Group of Death in Group F. Group E, probably the most interesting team for me in the tournament in Spain. Let's start with Spain. You're allowed to take 26, not not if you're uh, Enrique. No, 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 26 is too many. We'll just go with a 24. Um, and then, caveat, let, let's go Let's go even further. Let's go one step further. Let's not pick any Real Madrid players. That'll be fun. Why should you? Why What's- should you? So what do we think is going on here? I have absolutely no idea. Some managers weren't happy with upping it to 26 from 23. Southgate was one of them. He was quite open about that. But that is bold to decide. I don't need all of the spaces. I'm even slightly surprised that UEFA have allowed it in some ways, just because of how the rules can be sometimes. But yeah, he's gone with a 24-man squad. No Real Madrid players and... I think you can probably make a case for each player, but to me, I would have expected to see one of Sergio Ramos, who, of course, got injured towards the uh, back end of the season, has struggled a little bit. Seems to be fit now, but not good enough for Enrique. Same thing for Danny Carvajal. Nacho Fernandez, I'm really surprised, hasn't got in, purely on the basis that he's played so well for Real Madrid. He's versatile across the back four. Uh, Lucas Vasquez, uh, again versatile. He's covered it right back much of the season despite being a winger, and he's been brilliant there. Isco, not had a great season, fair enough. Marco Asensio, not been amazing, played a lot of games. I To have none of them, the, is that just ties to Barcelona for Enrique? Is, and he's just sacking is, Yeah, is, is he so much, so much of a Barcelona man he just couldn't bear to pick a Real Madrid player? 
And, and to make it even better, he'll just pick them for all the games leading up to the squad. And then when it comes to it, go cold turkey and go, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks, lads. That's the way to do proper bants, isn't it? That's the real way to do it. He could have done it right from the outset, but he thought, no, I'll, I'll reel him in first. No, I, I was about to say he's picked them for games leading up to this point. So it was unusual. I don't think uh, there'll be any people in Madrid supporting uh, Spain this summer. Oh, I guess unless you're an Atletico fan. But uh, yeah, really strange. Yeah. Yeah. They've st still got an, a brilliant side, really good squad. Uh, and it's difficult to see who might be the starting centre forward. It could be Morata. I expect it to be Gerard Moreno. He scored 23 uh, La Liga goals this past season, 13 non-penalty, so a bit of a penalty merchant. But nonetheless, he's versatile, can play in wide positions, play off the front uh, and can do a bit of everything. And he is a threat. He's 50 to 1 to be the top goal scorer this tournament, which is quite long odds for someone who's going to start at centre forward, uh, as expected. And I would say in a reasonably modest group, he might be one for people to think about in their fantasy teams. Who knows? All that said, with Spain joking about those players and the fact that it looks like De Gea may well be uh, not the first choice, might drop him for uh, Bilbao's Unai Simon, I do still expect them to do well. They got 3.78 expected goals per game in qualifying, which is uh, which is the highest of any team, according to InfoGoal. I do expect them to do well and uh, win this group. Yeah, uh, I mean, I can't see past them. Personally, I think they will win this group. They should they should be looking to win this group. It's weird stuff going on, but they, yeah, they're, they've got a very strong squad. Um, Who joins them? So where do you see... Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I think Sweden always seem to be hard to beat and uh, tend to do quite well in, in these tournaments at this sort of stage. I think they might nick it and come in second here. I think they might um, yeah, get like a win and a draw, four points and nick second place. How about you? It's close. It's very close between Poland and Sweden. I would give it to Poland because they've got Robert Lewandowski. And I think when a side like that has a world-class player like him, it's going to make a big difference. Sweden don't have someone like that. I'm afraid Sebastian Larsson is just not quite on the same level. And yeah, I, I just, I think it's going to be Poland. Uh, they finished six points clear at the top of their group uh, in qualifying. But InfoGoal, according to their expected points, said they should have finished third in that group. So they maybe got a little bit lucky. But as we know with expected goals, if you have a world-class forward who can outkick that and beat the numbers, it is possible. Some players are okay. good at doing it. Seven clean sheets from Poland as well in qualifying. Do we need to talk about Slovakia or, you know? Uh, you can do. They're a mess. They're not going anywhere. They have got the best kit of the tournament, but no, not for me, Clive. They are lucky to even be at this tournament, and I'll tell you why. They finished third in their qualifying group. InfoGoal had them... Uh, at fourth, by the way, they got to the playoffs. They lost on XG to the Repu Republic of Ireland, 
uh, 1.03 to 2.15, so very lucky to win that game. And then face Northern Ireland, lost on XG 0.83 to 1.62 and scraped through in extra time. Very fortunate and I fully expect them to finish bottom of this group. Now then, let's move on. The group of death. Talk to me. Yes, the group of death and Hungary. This should be a lot of fun. So we've got Germany, France, Portugal, and as mentioned, Hungary at 25 to 1 to win oh, that group. I I can't be having Hungary bashing. They're a good side. They've got back-to-back -back Nations League promotions. I would say the best fourth seed in the whole tournament. They're just mighty unlucky. They're mighty unlucky. And they might have a say in who wins this group. Fair. I like that. I like you uh, backing them. And they have done very well in the, the Nations League. That's how they qualified. They qualified via their uh, position there. They're 25-1 to 1 to win the group. Uh, not what we're expecting here. They could just scrape through via second third but portugal 11 to 4 france 13 for 8 germany 5 to 4 so germany the favorites to win that group over france and the reason for that is home advantage they have three games in munich where france uh, do not they have had their home advantage five years ago and they fucked it so nothing there for them and that's why germany have that. However, France are five to one to win the tournament compared with Germany's nine to one. So once it hits the knockouts and the home advantage is gone, that's got to be the feeling. Certainly with the bookmakers, it, it would seem. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Um, where should we start? Germany? Let's start with Germany. Yes. I mean, I mean they got absolutely spanked by Spain um, last year. They got shocked by North Macedonia, as we touched on earlier. But they are a good team. Um, they have got, in Serge Gnabry, got the player with the best goals per cap ratio in the whole tournament. Minimum of 10 caps. Uh, 15 goals in 21 games. <laughs> and that's a, a ratio of 0 0.71 goals per cap. That's a great Impressive. stat. I did he plays a much that. more advanced... That's excellent. Yeah, he plays a much more advanced role for Germany than he does for Bayern Munich, where Lewandowski really holds that central position up front. Um, he might be a big factor, and they have got a good team. Yeah, I expect Germany to do well. I don't know that I do expect them to win the group, but the home advantage is there. Historically in international tournaments, we do know that that is a factor. How it is a factor this year especially with travel, it's hard to know. I know that the Czechs uh, were supposed to be staying in Scotland, for example, and then coming down to Wembley for those games and they'd be local. But due to the COVID situation, they're going back to their home country and they're going to be flying back and forth. I'm not sure on each particular country, but I do think it will be a factor whereby it wasn't before, where it's normally just all staged in one country or maybe two that's close by. Who do you see winning the group? You gotta go with France. Um, they're such a good team. They, you know, we talked about England being stacked. These guys are stacked in every area of the pitch throughout the squad. It's, it's, it's quite something. Yeah, it's nearly a world twenty-six, isn't it? I mean, the players that have not got into this squad. I'm going to read you out a few. Here's here's an eleven. It, this could make you 
a good start in 11, I would say. So, in goal, Ariola, then Hernandez, Upimikano, Canate, Mendy, Undombele, Kamavinga, Auer, Torvan, Fakir, and Lacazette. And you can include Martial, who Deschamps said he would have included uh, had he been fit. Bearing in mind, Musa Sissoko is in this squad as well. Uh, that's quite a list. And I mean, they're just throwing Laporte over to Spain because they can. Just don't even need him anymore. And he's a starter for Spain as well. So yeah, it, it's an embarrassment of riches. And I was talking to someone a month or two ago about what a squad they've got. They should be looking to be, you know, winning this tournament. But if they had Karim Benzema, they'd have an even better chance. And lo and behold, we are sprung the surprise. Deschamps included him. Hasn't played for his country in five years. A strange uh, international sort of career he's had, but he's been in fantastic form the last few years, particularly this season for Real Madrid. And that's going to be a big factor. Yeah, I think, and I think he he's earned his his call up. Hope he hope he gets a start. Looks like he might. Hmm. Um, and you know, alongside my my probably favourite player in world football at the moment, Mbappe. Yeah, I won't uh, argue with that. I love watching Mbappe, and I expect him to light up the tournament once again. So we're both fancying France to win that group. So let's move into Portugal. Their main talisman needs no introduction. Cristiano Ronaldo. He's played at four European Championships, going all the way back to Euro 2004 when he was just 19. No player has ever played at five European Championships. He'll be doing that this summer, breaking even more records. And the other record he's looking to break is the all-time European Championship top goal scorer. He needs one more goal for that. He's got the most caps at the tournament as well, with 174. So he's not really one for records, though, is he? Doesn't really bother him. He just he just sort of moves on and uh, he just focuses on the next game. Really, yeah, he doesn't sort of uh, records and trophies and are uh, not something he's ever been known for. I really like their team. Not loads of depth going back through his squad. Although Ricardo Pereira has been left at home. I know he's had a bit of an injury ravaged season, but that's a, a fair luxury. He's Surprise. back in the Leicester team. Yeah. They've got a good, uh, good lineup, some good attacking players. Diaz at the back, uh, who is a favorite of both of ours alongside Jose Font, just won uh, Liga with Lille. Uh, I once stopped him at border control in another lifetime, in another job. True story. Really nice guy. Uh, Fun fact. He's getting on a little bit, but still a good player. And yeah, they're an interesting case, Portugal. The holders, they won the Nations League in 2019. I, I think... They're, uh, they're a good side. They're going to be a problem. You, yeah. You've got, you've got Bruno Fernandes in there as well. You've got Bernardo Silva in there. You know, they've got good players. They've got some really good players. Uh, I mean, if, if they come out and they win this group, you wouldn't be shocked. I just... It's it's really tough to call. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't really call it. If if you, you know, pushed me up against a wall and made me, I, I'm going to say France. And then I'm just about going to give Germany the nod for seconds. But that's only because they're playing all their games at home. It's, it's such a close call. And I feel sorry for Hungary because I do, as I say, like them. 
but it's just too much of a stretch for them. I mean, they're unbeaten in their last eight, Hungary. They've got back-to-back promotions in the Nations League. They're just, yeah, they're, they're just desperately unlucky here. Um, it's a very exciting group, but, you know, I can't wait to watch the games unfold in this one. Yeah, I agree. Let's not even depress ourselves by thinking about the fact that we should have been at the Germany-France game in Munich. Uh, oh no, too late, I just did. But Hungary, I'd love to see an upset. Two games in Budapest, so it gives them a little bit of an advantage. Uh, weird one, they waited seven years for a penalty and then in March, in a World Cup qualifier, I got three in one game and they're all taken by three different players. They got one the other night as well in a friendly. So like buses, sometimes they all come along at once. But I give them no chance. As much as you seem to love them, <laughs> I'm sorry. <sighs> Should we talk about some of our favourites for the tournament? The top goal scorer and maybe a dark mm -hmm. horse. So who have you got down to win this whole thing? I'm going to be boring. I'm sorry. It, it, for me, it has to be France. They're just they're just too good in every area. They have no weaknesses. I really like Mbappe. You know, I'd love to say England or Belgium or you know someone else, but France for me. I want to say England, not because I support them, but because I think we have a genuinely good chance of winning this tournament. I just don't fancy us when we come up against, say, France in the knockouts. That may sound very pessimistic, but I just I worry. And I'm going to be boring as well and say that I think France will win this one. It's an incredible group. It's hard to look past. So we're agreed on that. What a shame. Mm. All right. Um, how about top goal scorer? You go first. Well, I think Harry Kane's in with a good chance. I mm. think in a good player. group that's... Yeah, he's a good player, yeah. yeah, I've noticed. In a group that's fairly modest, uh, the Croatia game will be tough, agreed. But don't. I think, I think he should bag a few goals. But the one I think will really trounce the group and flat-track bully it is Romelu Lukaku. So I'm going to go for him. Okay, uh, interesting. Well, no, good choice. That would have been my choice. Okay. But we can't just keep agreeing. That'll be really boring for the listener. The listeners we don't have. It's mm. boring for anyway. Yeah. So I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, you know, you caught me on the hop. I think I will go with the best goals per game ratio player of the tournament, Serge Gnabry. That is a bold, yeah, why not? bold shout. Yeah, okay. Fairs. Not because he used to play for Arsenal. Definitely not, but because he's really good at football. Yeah, Lukaku down to Nabry though. That's uh, that's bold, but you know I like it. I like it. I'm. I think I'm willing to put myself out there in a way that you're not. <laughs> yeah. All right. So your dark horse then. Not expecting to win it, but maybe a quarter final or a semi final. Go for it. Yeah, I've spoken to a few people, you know, had some discussions and I've heard, you know, Belgium be talked up as a dark horse. I've heard Italy be talked up as a dark horse. Really? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe it. These people are, I don't know, I don't know what planet they live on. I'm going to go for Turkey. Um, 
really young, enthusiastic team being led by Yilmaz. You know, good at the back. They've got Demiral, who's, who's playing at Juventus. They've got Suyinchu, uh, a centre-half from Leicester. I really like him. The right-back plays for Lille. Uh, Selic, I believe. I think if they come second in their group, which I think they will, they get the second-place team of the Denmark group, uh, which then presents them with a, another good opportunity to go through. Um, and, you know, once you're in a quarterfinal, who knows what could happen. So I'm going to go with Turkey. I like them. Yeah, I was inclined to agree with you on Turkey there, having not known that you were going to say that. So, I don't know. Netherlands haven't been to a tournament since 2014. Can I do that thing that those people you spoke to were doing and call them a dark horse? No. No, no. you can't. Uh, no, I didn't think so. Okay. World-class despite... manager. That's the only reason. World-class manager. That's why you got to go for them. Hi, Palace fans. Again. So... Although I said some things about the Ukraine outkicking the XG, I, I, I wasn't sure. I'm not sure where to go with this, given that you've said Turkey. So, Ukraine have got some young, exciting players. Uh, I'm going to say them. Maybe they can outkick it again across the tournament. Just to be clear here, can we, can we just to avoid any confusion? You predict them not to come in the top two of their group, but they are the dark horses to maybe reach the quarters or the semis. Is that where we're? No, Turkey were my choice, but you pick Turkey. I don't want to be different. I want to select something out. I mean, I, I've seen other people call out Ukraine, so it's, it, I don't think it's that, you know, wild of a. No, that's fine. I a thing. I just wanted to clear that up. But you know, I, you know, I don't care that much. Uh, yeah. Well, I've covered bases, so what I can do is then I can clip it and I'll go. Uh, you know, I said this would happen. Oh, I said it was my dark horse, and I've got I've got both angles. No, I, I do expect the them to have a few problems, but uh, after Turkey, and after Netherlands and Belgium and Italy, I'll say Ukraine. <laughs> okay, bold. Yeah, thank you. Okay, that just about wraps it up for us today. That was your Euro twenty twenty preview. I hope you enjoyed it. We're going to have plenty of content coming throughout the tournament. We're going to be covering games. We're going to be doing as much as we possibly can to keep you and ourselves interested. You can follow us at blogofthenet underscore on Twitter or at blogofthenet on Instagram as well. Please do that and give us a subscribe on YouTube. You get a little shout out and everyone loves a shout out. I think that's all I have. Anything more from you, Justin? Well, I'm really looking forward to seeing the Ukraine results and you telling telling me I told you so. Either way, that's it. Can't wait. Let's go. Thanks. Say goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>